Hey everyone, this is Anthony Molinaro. I work with Tom and Nick on the Rockstar team, and this was an unplanned Your Life, Your Term show episode. I actually sat down with today's guest, Mackenzie Wilson from Single Key, to record a mini 10 to 20 minute podcast with him for our Rockstar Minutes episodes on our YouTube channel. So a completely different show. But as we kept talking, Mackenzie just had some great insights and advice on everything from advertising your rental properties to screening tenants to doing background checks. And so I just kept the tape rolling. We ended up going an hour long, and it was packed with great information for investors. So we just decided to release this whole episode here. And if you've never seen our YouTube channel, it's called Rockstar Real Estate Inc. We have, as of today, 671 videos on this channel, all different topics. And we post new videos every single week, including full video versions of this podcast, the Your Life, Your Term show, uh, clips from these podcasts, as well as our Rockstar Minutes episodes, which this was supposed to be for. So our Rockstar Minutes episodes can range from Tom speaking about population growth data from the side of a highway with cars whizzing past to myself sitting down in the podcast studio and recording mini 10 to 20 minute episodes with different professionals in real estate from rockstar coaches to mortgage brokers to accountants to tutorials on how to use software in your investing business to screen tenants and do background checks. One of the most popular tutorials we've done on there is how to use Facebook Marketplace to advertise your rentals and find great tenants. Uh, we'll even release videos from exclusive, yes, exclusive live events of Tom and Nick uh, speaking about the economy, the real estate market, and of course, Bitcoin. So every week we're dropping new content on our YouTube channel that you can't find anywhere else. So I highly recommend checking it out and subscribing. I personally like listening to these videos on my lunch break because they're only uh, 10 to 20 minute long videos usually and uh, just highly digestible as you eat your food. So just search Rockstar Real Estate Inc. on YouTube and you'll find our channel. Now onto this show, Mackenzie works with Single Key, which is a platform for Canadians that offers three different products to help landlords reduce the risk of renting to tenants. And I'm a big fan of them. We briefly talk about those three products at the very end of the episode, but this podcast is mainly just about how to advertise your rental property and find great tenants with pro tips from Mackenzie and where I can contribute myself along the way. So hope you enjoy it and let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, I am here with Mackenzie from Single Key, and Mackenzie is a tenant screening expert, I would say. And uh, we just wanted to talk about some tenant screening, one-on-one top tips and advice. So you wanted to start with, first of all, the mindset that yeah. an investor needs to have when tenant screening. Yeah, definitely. So um, just come to the mic a bit. Yeah, a little bit closer. So um, there we go. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, by the way. And, and yeah, I appreciate it. Lo love having these chats. But yeah, like just there's a mindset to approach it if you're going to get into real estate investing when you're looking at screening tenants. And and just to understand the challenge of it, make sure if it is for you or if you should be outsourcing it to a property manager is you've got to take something that's probably the most expensive thing you've ever owned, a property worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, I'm from Alberta, so we're about three or 400,000 less than you guys, but still it's, it's up there, right? a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you got to find a way to give complete control uh, and access to this property to, to a complete stranger that you've never met before. And so how do you do that in a way to mitigate risk and protect that large sum of capital up front, but at the same time, at the same time, manage uh, the expectation that this customer 
wants a place that it's safe and secure, they can call their home and be proud to show it as their home. So it's really two different dynamics that these investors or, or us as landlords and homeowners have to bounce between between managing and protecting our, our asset and providing customer service. It's really on two different spectrums. So, so you don't want to come across like a big jerk um, to the tenant and really screening them and interrogating them uh, and making them uncomfortable, you would say, if they're looking to rent out your property? Y yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, like just, I guess the kind of like the first takeaway too is you need to develop a process or a system. And when you have those in place, you got to stick to it and you'll minimize your risk by following these systems every time. And you don't make exceptions for that. Where if someone comes to you and they have an emergency and they need to move in tomorrow and they've got whatever you guys collect, you guys do first and last month's rent. So they're dropping five grand in bills in front of you or something like that. That doesn't work. You don't, you don't change your process. You don't, you don't make someone else's emergency your emergency. That's, that's unfortunate. They're in that position. I mean, there's options, there's couch surfing, there's Airbnbs to help them hold them over to whenever it's ready to move in, but you still follow your process. Okay. What are some of the criteria that you have that you're sticking to no matter what? What, what, what are some of those strict criteria? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I know you do something similar, but like we all have our set, our, our set standard of screening questions, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you want to go through nail those out first. Um, a lot of it's like logistics, like when's your move in date? How long do you want to rent for number of people in the rental? And if any of those things don't ma match up, just stop from there, go to the next person. Cause you're going to save each other both, both time and time's valuable. Right? So, mm -hmm. uh, and then also what I do is, would that be a form of pre-screening you're talking about? Yeah. Like I, let's say you post your, your rental listing on online advertisements. You're then always making sure that you pre-screen from the get go. Well, yeah. And your pre-screen doesn't even start with your questions. It actually starts with the, the ad in the listing. That, that body of text, the way your images are laid out, is you're, you're really going to appeal to the demographic that makes most sense, one, for your own personal personality that you want to work with a, a certain type of, of people, and that you're attracting the right tenant to your property that, that yeah, again, meets your needs. What would you specifically call out maybe in that body of text? Like I know personally I've said, you know, this basement apartment would be perfect for a professional couple. Yeah. Use that kind of language where this is the perfect family home for a small family. And because that's my target tenant yeah. and I'll literally call it out. Do you think that's maybe like too upfront? Are you kind of trying yeah. to do it more subliminally? Yeah, a, a little more because you, you don't want to tread that line of being like your, your bias or your, your discriminating certain groups and only appealing to marital status or families or something like that. So you got to be a little bit careful how you do that language. For sure. But definitely, I mean, let's take an easy example downtown Toronto life or Calgary life. It's a young professional. Maybe it's a two bedroom condo. So you're, you're going to word something like, you know, uh, talk about it's only a 10 minute walk to whatever major core center or the buildings or the industries that you're closest to, as opposed to saying it's 1.2 kilometers. Cause people don't think they don't measure distance in, in, in actual length. They measure it in how long it takes them to get there. Mm -hmm. So you want to speak in, in kind of terms like that and also speak in um, results. So instead of listing like, you know, beautiful two bedroom condo with a, with a fireplace, you would say something like, um, you know, the only or unique property with the ability to kind of snuggle up on those warm on those cold nights in front of a nice warm fire with a hot chocolate, something like that. Cause then people, sit and imagine themselves doing it and that's what you want to get them thinking and then, it, then they're more drawn to your property yeah so you're calling out maybe specific ac activities specific 
aspects of living in that property that would maybe appeal to your target tenant. Yes. And amenities. Exactly. Right. And, and you're trying to frame it in a language that, that would, I guess, well, I want to say makes sense. Cause I mean, that's kind of the obvious part, but like, but more so hits their experience, their, their emotional need on, on that level where it's not just uh, a bullet list of, 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 of points and features. You should have a, a short paragraph at the top, which basically has like your call to action, that one or two main like super cool differentiator or competitive advantages with your property compared to the others. And then you can go into the bullet list after because people still need to know and make sure it's sold the right size and the stuff they need. Mm-hmm. If it has like on-site parking or whatever, like great, show that stuff in there. And then typically at the end on the, on the, on the tech side is, is your filtering. So, you know, thanks for checking us out. Uh, I, you know, I have, so I've done something to differentiate myself. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, but cause I love talking about this stuff is I've, I went and created a Google listing. So I actually have, um, I think a dozen now, maybe, well, I have, I have a five, five star review directly from my tenant. So it's like, just don't take my word on mouth that I'm great. Here's third party validation that I, I'm a great Oh, landlord. so you created like a Google business listing. I did. For, so what do you call it? Uh, sure. Living space rentals. I'm going to see Living's. That. Yeah. I, I just want to know, like, what yeah. would you call it? Mackenzie Wilson rentals or so living space rentals is like your rental company name. Yeah. And it's just a brand. And, and this goes back to, I love that. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So th- this goes back to, so having a brand for your rental company, whether it's a sole proprietorship or it actually is actually incorporated, don't, don't recommend the latter unless you're going to grow down that way. And we can talk about that later, but you, that just, shows that vibe and the way your, your text is listing and the p- pictures are taken shows if you've got your game together or not. Mm-hmm. And professional tenants look for that. They look for an unorganized ad that has okay pictures taken and just a bullet list and says, send me your, um, your application here, contact for more. They, they can read that, those nuances just by looking at the listing. So someone who's not prepared may seem like they get all these professional tenants or there's a lot out there but they're probably actually attracting them because of how they're, they're appearing um, um, professionally. So if you, you shape that image, you're going to ward off a ton of people. And so that, again, going back to that last paragraph, that's your filter tool where you're saying, you know, part of my process is I do background and credit checks, um, require proof of income, whatever, 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 whatever. And then you can also layer in your competitive advantage. Like why pick me over somebody else? Mm-hmm. Which comes back to that that Google listing, where I've got third party validation of, you know, uh, this getting rid of the this, this stereotypical like you're uh, this jerk slumlord or, or, mm-hmm. or landlord. Which by the way, I use that word slumlord so so sparingly, but it is unfortunately there's there's those folks out there. A tiny percentage of yes. yeah, dude. I feel like you're like the white knight of uh, defending landlords and helping them avoid these problems. Uh, yeah, well, it's like it's it's you know what this relationship between tenants and landlords is a mutually beneficial relationship. We need each other. Landlords can't exist without tenants. They need someone to come in and pay the bills, the mortgage, and and that's how they can succeed. At the same time, the tenant can't afford to buy at this point in time, so they want a quality place they can call home. Mm-hmm. And I'd say nine out of ten people on both sides of the picture are like that. The vast majority all day long. It's that that one percent, those small bad apples or bad actors on both sides, and every group has it. Like let's let's not kid ourselves. Yep. That ruin it for the rest of us. And you're gonna get me up on my soap soapbox here. And I, we're gonna stay on the tenant screen side. Sure. But I have a whole rant around how we can adjust and 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 fine tune the legislation across our different provinces to 
to weed out those bad apples because they're the ones that are wrecking the system that don't follow the rules that are finding the loopholes that are making it extremely painful for the rest of us. Okay, so one more quick question on the Google listing idea because yes. I love that so much. Let's do it. At what stage in the tenant selection process where you're advertising your rental, do you say, hey, check out my uh, Google listing? You know, These are what my other tenants are saying about renting from me. Yeah, so it's right on the text body of my description of my listing, right in my listing. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, hey, like, you know, don't take my word for it. Here's my Google link. I've got 15, 10 plus, whatever it is of five, five star, whatever my current stats are. Um, and so, but before we get into the, te- I know we kind of already kind of talked around the text. More important though, I'm going to ask you a question, Anthony. When you go and look at listings, What's the first thing you're drawn to? What's the first thing you look at? Do you go and read through the whole body of text? Do you no. flip through the photos? Photos. You flip through the photos. Exactly. That, yeah. So, so you got to have professional photos. I just, it, they have to look good. There's ways, if you're just getting started up, that there's some really good tips you can follow to, to frame the shots right, where you have the, the widest possible lens to yes. get that, that full effect of this, the size of the room because it's very difficult from a photo to get that... that uh, that feeling or that other perspective. It cuts out so much of that peripheral wide angle, yeah. you know, vision that we have when you actually are looking at the rim in person. Totally. totally. And I know you just said professional photos, but even if someone's just going to like do it on their iPhone, put the zoom it out. So it's wide angle. Exactly. Yeah. Wide open or even do like, you know, you can do like those panorama sh- stitching shots. Oh, back okay. up and, and, and do it. And then again, long as you're not doing too much where it's all kind of like um, like a sloppy. super wide angle panorama. Yeah, but just enough to go from wall to wall of the full complete room. And you want to do high. You don't want to include ceiling. You only just want to include the floor because that's what people see. The ceiling doesn't have any text te- uh, texture or any yeah. like drawable features, but flooring has rugs, has furniture, has the has the contrast that makes up that room and gives you that feeling. Mm-hmm. And usually, so so let's let's get some some pro tips here. Um, uh, ad fraud, right? Someone grabs all of your address, all your photos, spins up a fake ad, does that rent that's just below market, but like really appealing, like, oh man, that's actually a really good deal compared to the rest, but not too low where it seems unrealistic. And then I'm unfortunately out of the country, but I tell you what, you drop me an e-transfer for the first month's rent or deposit, I'll hold it for you. And uh, you can move in that part. And then boom, that person loses two, three grand. They show up and there's already people living there and they're going, what's going on? So that does happen, unfortunately. If you embed text into your photos where you've either got your name, again, ideally create a brand here, your living space rentals brand, whatever it might be, throw that in there um, and have it embedded, not like a, almost like a watermark. There's different ways to do it. So it, it flows nicely and it's not like this ugly red stamp thing, but you do that. Someone come by and look at your photo. It's not worth the effort to to Photoshop that. There's other twenty thousand, hundreds of thousands of ads out there that don't do it. So uh-huh. I'm gonna, I'm going to go and steal somebody else's ad, and then you've just avoided getting fraud and, and having that 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 awkward issue. Also, because you can't always get the context of what's important in that room in the photos, I usually put text in the photo, a short little like bullet point or or a quick little sentence saying this is important in this photo. Like again, you know, let's say. Um, what could be something good? Uh, Just come to the mic a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep, yeah. keep me focused here. Yeah. Uh, like a um, going back to the fireplace example, right? There may be a fireplace in the photo, but if you're doing that wide shot to get the really good perspective and the openness of the room, it might not stand out in the photo. Ah. But you know, I'm the only unit in my community or my in my you know with my competition that has it. I need that to stand out. So then you put text and say, "Hey, 
By the way, this is your living room and you can curl up to a hot fire uh, on those cold nights or have the ambiance for hosting when you, when you have your friends and family over at Thanksgiving or whatever it might be. Uh. So, so, so you're highlighting cool mm-hmm. amenities that may not exactly pop in the photo, mm-hmm. but because they're drawn to the photos first, they're still going to see that. And then you're getting your competitive advantage, um, top of mind and, and the awareness out there. You're totally right about the photos being the big draw because people will always click on first and foremost, the ad, because mm-hmm. all you can see is that thumbnail shot from all these online listings. You just see the one thumbnail image, the first image you put, Yes, they're going to pick on the nicest ones of those images first, those yes. ads, then they're going to look through all the photos. And then only if they like those photos, will they go down and then read your ad copy, which you can then use to further sell the place, make it emotional, do a bit of, you know, pre-screening already almost through your ad. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So that, yeah, that's totally the mindset of of how they've consumed all of the the material or like the, the, the content of your listing for sure. And like another thing too is it depends what ad platform, how you're going to write your title of, of the listing. So in Calgary, for example, where I am, the biggest, most popular platform is called RentFaster. And they have a map view when you you will see your area, you can put the filters like number of bedrooms, price of rent, all that kind of stuff. And it will filter the available uh, um, ads on the map based on whatever you're looking at. And then there's a column on the right-hand side that has the title. It shows, um, I can't remember if it shows the first one or two or three photos. And and also has a bit of a, uh, a legend of like, it'll do like icons for you know, utilities are included, uh, laundry is on site, all that kind of stuff. So depending on what platform you're using, you're going to, you're going to change your title to make sure if that text preview only gives you 30 characters, you better have your call to action worded in such a way that you fit inside the 30 characters. Cause if you go, you know, beautiful two bedroom, one bath in Oakville or sorry, give me a community. Oakville here. Help me out here. What's sure. It? Oakville oh, yeah. in, in Oakville. And then it cuts off at Oakview, Oakview, Oakview. You've, you look generic. You've, you've got nothing unique in your text title to, to call, to draw that attention, to get them to click on, to get them to view those sweet photos that you've set up. So, and spent so much time on preparing. So if it's a different platform where it might be just solid listings where you can write a whole sentence across the top, well, then you're going to word it completely different there as well. Okay. Uh, any other advice on the specific listing as it relates to tenant screening? Yes. People I get asked all the time, uh, where do I list? And so it's, it varies by geographical area, what city, what town, what province you're in. It also varies by the demographics. So if you're appealing to perhaps younger, say students, if it's a student rental by university, they might be searching on a different platform than a family looking to upgrade from their first home. Now they need an extra bedroom for their, uh, their son or daughter. They're going to be looking on a completely different platform. So what you should do is you're going to do a bunch of different uh, searches and you, I'm saying like eight to 12, like you want to do lots. I mean, again, this only takes like about 10 minutes, but you're going to go in and say, give me, give me a, an example here for, for a community or, or city or town. Uh, St. Catharines. St. Catharines. Okay. So I'm looking for two bedroom apartment, St. Catharines. Catherine's. Uh, I'm looking for uh, uh, main floor house rental, St. Catharines. I'm looking for um, house for rent, St. Catharines. I'm looking for apartments, St. Catharines. And, or, and then if, I don't know, if there's an airport code, so I mean, Toronto's YYZ, mm. I'd be, you know, rentals YYZ. You're going to change and use as much ver- uh, a variety of search terms and text and search strings to 
see what the top results are. And when you look at the results, typically there's ads planted at the top. So, so don't click on those because that's people wanting to be found and companies paying for that space. You skip down to the actual top three, top five search results. And you just make note of all the different results. And then as you do five, six, 10 or a dozen searches, you're going to see who's consistent, consistent, consistently at the top. Mm. And just don't pick one platform, but at least do two or three. I'd say three because you can see over time, none of, none of this stuff is, is stationary. It's always changing. Uh, new listing sites are coming up. More um, People are, are always changing their search preference. So if you're getting lots of traction from one site, great. Focus your energy there. But you might see over time. Facebook is no longer cool and Kijiji's now they've rebranded and they have this awesome platform and you're getting more traction over there. But you won't know that if you don't have the the, the, the data on your listings to to see those numbers of where people are actually, where you're getting your views from. Mm-hmm. So one thing I do is I use Google Forms uh, with pre-screening questions. So a lead reaches out on an online platform. I send them a link to my online Google form, which has a bunch of questions, you know, logistics and yeah. you know, what's your income levels, credit. And then I kind of only invite the qualified tenants from there. Um, but what I do is I also say, where did you see this ad? And mm-hmm. then that way I can track my marketing. Exactly. And then at the end of doing all my fills, I see, okay, where did I actually get the winning tenant from? And I keep track of that. And for me personally in Ontario, it's been like by far Facebook marketplace. Oh, cool. And it was never Kijiji, but I was spending all this money on ads on Kijiji, right? So it allowed me to be like, okay, Kijiji's not working out for me. I'm spending all this money on ads, but I'm just posting on Facebook marketplace for free. And that's where I'm getting all my tenants. So totally tracking your marketing is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you've done, you, you can make a really easy informed decision. I'm going to stop spending X number of dollars on Kijiji and you've just fine tuned and, and you've adapted on the go. So okay. that's awesome. Okay, so we'll move to the next thing. One last thing I wanted to mention, because you did mention the fraud listings. Yeah. I will never put specific addresses on my ads. I don't know. It it depends on the platform. The, the cool. three platforms I use, which is Facebook Marketplace, Rentals.ca, and Zumper. Mm-hmm. You can put uh, the nearest intersection, or you can just put the street name. Or postal code, and it just gives you like a radio. Like a, yeah, exactly. Sure. So, And then I will only give the exact address once I've reached out to someone who's filled out the Google form that I'm saying that I'm now inviting to a showing. Here's the actual address where you show up. Yeah. And that's to also kind of avoid that kind of fraud situation as well. Okay. So I just gave you the back of my business card, but when I first got into landlording, especially, um, when I only had a couple of units, I'd only screen a tenant maybe once a year. And I always forget the questions I need to ask. And, um, I get off the phone and go, Oh shoot. I should have asked ABC and I didn't. So I created cheat sheets for all my questions and I have them wherever they're, they're convenient. So these, this is my actual screen uh, script that we're looking at right now. And the, the second last question I had right in there, how did you hear about my rental? Same thing you're talking about, right? Mm. You need to know, justify, validate what's working for you. And um, oh, I was, going, I was going somewhere with this. Oh yeah, so I actually have this, these same set of questions too um, on a digital note on my phone. So I used to ignore tire kickers. You know, hey, is this available? Um, when can I move in? Just one worded questions. And I was like, I'm not going to come on. If you're not putting the effort, I'm not going to put the effort back. So I didn't answer to him. I, I didn't respond for a while. And then I got smart and I could copy and paste all my questions within about 10 seconds of receiving that text. And it would just filter out the tire kickers because they just self, they wouldn't respond. They just self filter out. Perfect. But what I realized was every once in a while, I actually got a good tenant from a tire kicker question that I was missing those opportunities before. So having that ability to respond quickly and have all your questions templated you're giving everyone a fair chance to be a part of your process, which is good because you're not discriminating again. Yeah. Mm. And um, 
and you're catching some good opportunities that you may have otherwise missed. Plus, again, if you respond within a minute or however fast with all those questions, you look super professional. Yes. That might filter out people you might not want in your unit. And which I've also found with the Google forms too. tenants have commented, Oh my God, this is so much better of a process than what other landlords are doing. You know, we're trying to find, you know, get on the phone call, you know, arrange a time together where we can speak. They're asking me all these questions. Whereas, you know, the Google forms automates that screening process for you, but also for the tenants because right away they get this online form they can fill out on their own time, Yeah, you know, and, uh, it's just, it's like a three minute thing for them. Well, and and it shows that it really shows that you respect other people's time because yes. like wh- what's worse well man like in calgary i don't like driving across the city at 20 minutes and you guys out here have a whole different beast yeah so like everyone that yeah it just it, exactly it comes across like that greatly well sure if you screen out the people who might not be qualified then you're not inviting them to the showing going there meeting them at the showing getting their application doing the background check just to see that they were they weren't qualified in the first place so you're saving them time yourself time yeah totally yeah. So I'm going to throw a question to you, Anthony, around when you set up your viewings, how do you do your viewing process and, and the booking and the confirmation and all that good stuff? Yeah. So once I, I check my Google form every morning, I see what's come in. It's like my fisherman's net. I yeah. see what I caught. Right. Yeah. And I, I kind of screen them out. I organize a spreadsheet. I'm like, these are the good ones. I have their phone numbers and it's all done on my MacBook. So I just copy and paste the phone number to the message uh, app, the yeah. iMessages app. And then I text them. I have a pre-written thing saying, Hey, thanks for filling out the form. Love to book a showing with you. I'm available this date and time. And I send that to everyone. And I try to arrange everyone to come same date, same time. Okay. So you you do like an open house style. Do you? It's to them. It's an appointment. They don't know that I'm booking all these other people at the same time. And so it's not like I'm here from the house from two to 4 PM on Saturday. It's like, Hey, the earliest I can show you the property Saturday at 10 AM. Mm. You know, that's the only time I can do. Can you make that work? And for the most part, people can make it work. For the people that can't, what you lose from those people who might not make that showing, you gain from all the other people who can make that showing because it creates that auction-like environment. Uh, yeah, right? I, I do something similar. I call it tea time book and we, we can get into that. But so this is really interesting. So coming, when I got into the market, I was in a tenant market. Tenants dictated the conversation, the control. We, it, it, um, we had vacancies up to around 12, uh, 10, 12%. So I couldn't do that. I couldn't dictate and tell time because right now you probably get, depending on the area, 50, 70 inquiries within a very short period of time. Yeah, for sure. So, so you guys are in control. You can kind of dictate that process a bit. When I first got into it, um, I definitely did all the questions up front because I had to learn quickly on that. And um, I would kick them out quickly. I would always, if I could, get them on the phone. I like having that one-on-one conversation. Again, I'm not going through 50 or 70 people. So if you have that kind of quantity of leads coming in, doing what you're doing and doing some filtering up front to get to top five, 10, whatever your, your short list is, then have that, that one-on-one conversation. Cause I always wanted to, so part, part of my process too, and our job as landlords is, 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 is two pronged. It's one is I need to find someone that's financially responsible. That one's really easy. That's number driven. That's a credit check. We can talk about that later. But the other part is I need to find someone that works with my personality. Cause if, if, if I just get rubbed the wrong way, it's just gonna make it super awkward and uncomfortable dealing with all the things you have to do being a landlord and you're not going to enjoy that part. So it, it the, the, you have to mesh in that, on that personal side as well. And I, yeah. I can't really say what works for me might not work for you. Mm-hmm. So, but what I would suggest doing is having much, multiple contact points with this individual, see how they respond. Are they timely? Did they meet your needs? Are you guys compatible that way? And if it's, it's kind of like, essentially it's kind of like dating. Cause essentially once you bring them in, you could have this person, especially in Ontario when there's, there's no real end to a fixed uh, lease 
could have them for a long time. So you want to make sure it's a best fit. It's, best, uh, it's a good fit, and you can figure that out, figure that out as best as possible. Um, but my my very last question is a behavioral test. And I so you you pick a time and you see you throw out an address. Um, same, same here. So I get off the phone. Let's say they've answered all my questions. I'm happy with them. Like, great. Thanks, John, for for checking out my uh, rental. Yeah, we can do, you know, Thursday at seven o'clock. That's awesome. Just by the way, before we um, uh, get off the phone, I do need you to confirm that viewing by texting me or give me a phone call, whatever's easier, about an hour and a half before. If, John, if I don't get that, uh, that confirmation, I do consider the appointment canceled and I don't show up. And then I leave it to them. I don't send them calendar invites, meeting invites. I want them to be... Um, what's the word for it? Responsible Com- enough, confident enough, responsible enough, the ability to self-organize yeah. and, and follow a simple process because the thought process is if they can follow that process, it's probably going to be a little bit easier to get my plumber in when there's a problem as opposed to mm. trying to deal with someone who can't, uh, dude, you're playing chess. You're thinking two, three moves ahead. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I like sure. that. Man. Yeah. Well, and it does two things, right? So I mean, pr- pro tip here, how many, how many no shows have you dr- driven to and you first started out? Of course. Yeah. 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 And you lose a whole night. You could have been doing something cool, watching the game, hanging with your family, the more important things in life, which is why we're in this business. Yes. And so, so I started doing that and it was, it was double pronged, like you said, right? I, I, if people could follow the process, I want to work with them because they're organized. They're going to work with my systems. Perfect. If they didn't do that, then, then it is what it is. And sometimes I get a phone call being like, Hey, I'm at your property. I'm like, well, I didn't get a text from you. Oh yeah. I'm like, well, guess what? We can rebook tomorrow or here's the next available time, whatever. And they came back. I've had a couple come back, but most times they just didn't show up and then perfect. No sweat off my back. I'm not wasting my night and my, my time, which is really valuable to me. So mm. do that, run that test. And, um, so and then, have the tenant confirm instead of you confirm with the tenant. Exactly. I don't make it easy for them. I make them be organized enough to manage their own calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. So now you've booked the showing. Yeah. You're doing the showing. Okay. You're getting a gut feel for people. Is there anything you're doing specifically there? Love it. Yes, I am. <laughs> of course you are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll say the, the, the showing's two pronged. You're, you're, you're selling your property. You're seeing all the good stuff. You've got your curb appeal going on. And we can talk a little bit about that as well. And you're also having your interview. You're screening this tenant. You're asking questions. And I, I ask the exact same questions again. Everything I did on the phone, everything on the script, I ask them all again. Mm-hmm. And that might seem kind of like redundant. Like, well, I, they already answered it on the, on the phone. Why am I going to ask them the same thing? And they're going to think I'm not organized. So I, I do that because if, if it, usually there's a period of time from the first contact, whether it's over email to me having a phone call to maybe by the time there's a viewing, I might have asked this, the viewing might be the third time I've asked these questions. And you're like, well, that's kind of silly. But when you do it over a period of time, if someone's telling you the truth, you're going to get consistent answers. And you've just had another way to confirm that you're getting the truth. Or someone's perhaps being a little bit nefarious or ill intent, and they're giving you a bit of a red herring or telling you some lies. The chances they can organize their lies and be consistent over three different times I've asked them over two or three days or whatever the, the, the time is, is unlikely. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Cause when you told me on the phone that um, there's only two of you moving in and now you have two other roommates, can you just tell me a little bit more and you get a chance to dig in and investigate those red flags or be like, yeah, you know what? The vibe here is not right. And you can make that decision a little bit uh, easier and cleaner. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you're doing? Uh, yeah, what else am I doing? Um, one thing, one tip I got that I found useful is, is try to see what car they pull up in and how they 
the condition of that car. You know, it doesn't have to be a brand new car or anything like that. Just how do they keep it? You know, is it this piece of crap that's about to fall apart and the bumper's dragging and there's dents everywhere and, and stuff. And Tim Cart, uh, coffee cups in the back window. Yeah, because how they treat their car and, you know, their personal environment within that car that's going to be an indicator of how they're going to treat your home and how they treat themselves. You know, what's their personal hygiene when you see them? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's just an all indicator of, of, of how they take care of themselves and the things that are in their life. Yeah. I mean, if I can, I'll take a look at, I always take it with a bit of a grain of salt because I know there's certainly exceptions to that. And for I, sure. I would be one of them. I have a three and a six year old. And as much as I try to keep my vehicle clean, it, uh, it looks pretty gross back. I'm just going to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so there's a bit of that. Um, and like I've heard people say, you know, I actually go to their where they're currently living and unannounced to say, oh, I forgot to get this one more piece of form of paper signed. Now, that's kind of really time consuming. Yes. And not scalable depending on the size. It might work for a small mom and pop land when it's got the one to two doors. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. And for sure, that's huge insight if that property is, is clean or not. Um, but what I what I do is, is um, I go through those questions again and then I highlight the next steps. And, oh, yeah, a big thing I do is I never offer applications. I never bring it up. If if they, so here's how you can tell if, you're, if your tenant's actually engaged and you've got like a high quality lead. If they start asking you measurements around the property, like how big is this room? Can I fit my couch in here? They're already going through the mindset of, I want to live here. How can my furniture fit here? They're, they're figuring out logistics. They're yes. already on it. Yeah. If they're kind of in going, yep, yep, that's nice. Okay, thank you. Yep. And... Great. We'll, we'll reach out to you. Yeah. Never hear from them again. Exactly. Yeah. So, so don't offer your application. It's a given. They're going to ask you the next step if they like the property. So I never offer it. I wait for them. And if they say thanks and they're out the door, I don't spend any time chasing them down because I know that they're, they're coldly, they're, they're not interested. Mm-hmm. If they go, Oh, this is awesome. I think, uh, you know, this is going to fit my knees. You've got a large parking spot for my trailer and blah, 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 blah. Uh, what's the next step? Do you have an application? Great. They've asked me, they've inquired it. I know that they're engaged and then I go and follow that part of the process. So that's something I do a bit differently. Yeah. 100%. You're better off spending your energy on the people who are interested in the home and you will quickly kind of find out, totally. you know, who yep. does have that interest. Well, and especially with you guys out here out East in Ontario with your 50, 70 inquiries, man, like it's, you, you need your systems to figure that out. Right. So, um, yeah, like, like looking at the questions too, um, kind of read over. I'm not sure like if there's any question that you don't use, like let me talk about. The one thing I always find interesting is I ask people is, you know, have you given proper notice to your current landlord? Mm-hmm. And of course that varies by province and legislation, but I want to know that they're abide by the rules and treating their last landlord fairly and giving them the time to. Yeah, one thing on. I, yeah, that's a great point. So in Ontario, it's 60 days notice technically. Okay. So many landlords, you know, if you know, they'll let them off the hook 30 days, whatever. They just want some advance notice, but yep. the technical rule is 60 days. Yep. Uh, another thing that uh, now that you mention it, that I watch out for is if they're using any negative language towards landlords, towards their current landlord, and it could be perfectly legitimate. How they frame the conversation. But just what's the vibe you're getting, yep. you know, or do they have resentment towards landlords or where they're at in life uh, about renting and stuff? Yeah. Like just, you know, what's the vibe you get? Because oh. if they have problems with the current landlord, it 100% could be the current landlord. Totally. Or it could be a mix of both, or it could be entirely them, right? But it's something to watch out for. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. And I'm going to riff on this too, Anthony, is is the mindset of the tent. Is, is there um, uh, a victim mentality yeah. kind of thing? You know, it, you know, it's always someone else's fault. It's this or that. Like, there's this lack of ownership over the circumstances in their life. Yes. 
And I think that's critically huge to whether they could be a good fit or potentially a lot of problems down the road that you have to deal with and just become stressful and a time waster. Uh, yeah, like if you have a duplex and the, they're not getting along with the other tenant, you know, it's never their fault, right? It's always the other tenant, right? And then that those are all issues that are going to come back to you down the line. Exactly. So if you can kind of be on point with this and have that right that the, the right conversation, you've just made a ton less phone calls in your future. You've just filtered out. And, and if you've got, and if it's, you know, most of us, if we're doing kind of the cash flow numbers, we probably have suited properties, right? Where they're, they're, they're not purpose-built rentals. They're a, a converted house into a duplex or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sound penetration, all that stuff you have to take in mind. You want to really match up, um, like personalizing the tenant as best you can to avoid the complaints that uh, Johnny or Sarah plays music to 2 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, young people, maybe with younger people, older couples with older couples, uh, shift work with shift work. You know, someone's on the night shift, but the upstairs tenants on the day shift. Perfect. Someone's going to be sleeping. Well, you know, once someone's walking upstairs and vice versa, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all those little nuances. And um, one thing I had to learn quickly, and, and while we're on this, this made me think of something else, is the... Um, uh, the, the mindset, going back to the mindset, um, I learned early on, you're going to get, you know, I don't call them solved. You're going to get, you're going to get really heart wrenching, emotional stories of why you should take this person in They're on, they fell on bad times or rough times. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally sympathize. I, I, like, I respect that, but I, I go and I think about, so, and I run this question in my head as this conversation is happening, I go, okay, am I going to help this person out that has that it's got my heart kind of going or that I've only met for 10 minutes or I'm in this business because I want this quality of life down the road that I want to provide post-secondary education for my kids. Am I going to pick uh, Joe Smo for I've known for 10 minutes over my son Bowen who have, is my kid. Mm-hmm. And when you frame it like that in your mind, it gives you the confidence and the ability to, to say no. And, and to, you don't have to be rude about it. You can just politely just decline and be, but be firm. It's, it's the kind of key thing here to not get pulled into that emotional trap because it, it is a business as mm-hmm. much as people don't say it is. And, and until the government removes all of our input costs and qualification for mortgages and removes property tax because we're home providers, uh, it's still business until that point happens. And yeah. You, and you have to treat it as such. You do. Yeah, you have to take the emotions out of it. And are you going to be your best self? And can you really take this on in your life? Can you afford to take that on, taking on all of those other person's problems? Mm -hmm. Because that's exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And maybe you might be in a position in your life where you can do something like that. But um, odds are, if you're a mom and pop landlord with one or two rental properties, you know, whatever, you're probably busy. You've got kids. Like, it's just a lot, right? So yeah, treat it like a business. Yeah. Okay, so, so now we've got the applications we like the tenants. Everything's good. Yep. We're doing a background check. Ooh. What's the background check process? Well, there, there's a lot to it. Um, give me, give me something specific. Like what's, what's a, what's a burning problem you see often that people overlook or, or what part of the data are we looking at? Cause there's different ways for everything. Well, so at the beginning of the conversation, you're like, you want to be data driven. Yes. You, you want to have your set criteria. So, uh, typically, you know, we're looking at things like credit scores. We're looking to verify the income someone's making. We're looking to verify their employment, uh, how stable it is, any personal references, that type of stuff. Um, what's your process to do some of that stuff? Great question. So taking a step back, going back to how like the theory or the mindset approach is you've been given all this data. Now you need to find ways to validate that's true. Is it, is it fact or fiction? 
That's the right word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are the right quotes here. So, so you need to cross-reference these di- different data points with, with, with sources of truth that can give you the confidence that it is, in fact, true. So that, that's your whole job. You're doing this detective role. So let, let's break it down. We can do, um, let me think about this. We can go with, uh, well, a- addresses and, and, and move times, right? And this gets into the landlord reference and how to do that. But like we're just going to be spitting out pro tips all over the place here. So um, you need to see if the previous addresses that they gave you on um, from their current landlord and their previous landlord um, match up to the addresses provided in the Equifax credit score that you can get. So that Equifax credit score, those addresses are populated from previous billing um, uh, services that they use and, and the billing address. So for example, they got a cell phone with Rogers or Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a billing address associated with that. Well, that gets reported to Equifax and that gets logged in the previous addresses. In theory, and by the way, this is not perfect because there are definitely mistakes with Equifax's database as well, but it's a great way. You, you definitely know if you do get a cross-reference and the address they listed here, the, the timestamps aren't so important, but they're definitely nice that they drive a bit. But if you get both those hits on the timestamp and the previous address on the Equifax reported address uh, and on the application that the tenant provided and they match, awesome. They are telling, I'm, I'm like 9% sure they're, they're telling me the truth. Okay, good. That's one more point checked. And if I get more and more of these, I get more and more confident that I've got a really, you know, I've got an honest person. And if I start seeing one or two or three red flags, that's trending the wrong way. And I mean, they're going to, probably just, uh, uh, you know, pack it in and move on to the next person. So on that Equifax credit report, you're obviously looking at their credit score, um, but you're also looking into some of the deeper details. So it'll list the previous addresses there? Yes, it will. And, and, and let's make a note or caveat to the credit score. It's a great litmus test to kind of see where they're currently at, but it's only a snapshot in time. In that very moment, their credit score could be high or low, depending on life circumstances. But you need to understand how they manage their finances over the the course of their life, the, you know, in, in general, right? So when you get looking at the different um, financial products and the trade lines, um, you want to use one of the credit reporting services that lists all of that because you want to see everything. And if you see perhaps a bunch of late payments across a bunch of different products, but all within a period of time, that could be a life circumstance. That might not actually, that might not be indicative, indicative of, of poor credit habit, but maybe they are going through a divorce uh, they just got laid off, whatever it might be. So there's a very good chance they could have a low credit score, but be a really good tenant. So this is why it's super important to look into the details. Or if you see, you're looking at their um, their financial products and the trade lines and you see late payments across the board, it looks like, looks like a checkerboard. That's uh, probably an indicator that they don't manage their money well. And um, that's a huge red flag. And I would move on. Mm-hmm. I've seen that before where I had someone with an above 700 credit score, which is normally great. And I ended up not going with them because I saw a trend uh, that had just started where it, it would show in the trade lines the last 30, 60 day and 90 day periods. And it just showed late payment, late payment, late payment in these different trade lines. And I was like, they have a great credit score, but something's going as on. of recently, something's going on. Yeah. So so if, if you're at that port and everything else is checked off, they did a great job of viewing personally, you like them and you kind of want to go a little bit further, what I would do in that circumstance is go, hey, like, hey, I'm seeing some late payments here. Is there something going on? Just help me understand what you're going through if I can, so I can make more of an informed decision. And if they do say, you know, bankruptcy, job divorce, whatever, job loss, then okay, great. So I'll tell you what, um, I just need a little bit more um, information to, to make an informed decision. Do you mind just sending me your last six or 12 months of e-transfers to show that you've paid rent on time? You can do that. We can get past the, these missed payments and, and move to the next step. If you like them, it's worth going down that route. 
because at the end of the day, another thing too, tenants, at least the good tenants will treat the importance of paying rent first over perhaps not paying their credit card or the phone bill on time because living is typically a little bit more of a necessity than having that cell phone. That's a great point. So, so in this is a great way to find that good person to give the person that probably does need a chance that actually deserves it and, yeah. and not put yourself at risk. So if you see maybe a discrepancy, dig into it. Dig into before it. Before signing, you know, writing them off completely. Yeah, exactly. It's, well, I, I would say if it's worth the time and, and everything else is checked checked well so far. But if you've got a list of other red sure. flags that kind of, eh, your spidey sense is going off. And depending on how many, again, if you've got selection, move, move to the next candidate. Okay. Now, would you let somebody bring their own credit report to you? No. Why not? Uh, so my very, my claim to fame, we're talking about this off air is I, I had made, made my own channel dedicated to screen tents. And the very first video I came out with is how to avoid a fake credit score. You want to get that information from sources of truth directly, directly from Ecofax or a credit checking company, whatever you're going to use. Cause that's so important because it can take the average, especially someone that's not even like super tech savvy, but a little tech savvy can probably doctor a really good looking credit score. within about five to 10 minutes on not even Photoshop. They can use paint on, on whatever yeah. Windows. Right? It, in that video, that's what you did, right? You you showed how you doctored your credit report to change it from like a 420. This was just a sample report, I'm guessing. Just from a 420 to like an 820, right? Yeah, definitely. So so they did a, I think it was Credit Karma. They, they did a screenshot. They just cut out that box. They went into Google, search images, Credit Karma scores, mm. found one that was the same, good resolution, copy and paste, dropped it on. You couldn't even tell. So that's the fake credit scores. Um, you can also get fake pay stubs. There's there's websites. So so folks like, I, what I'm saying is uh, go out. If, if you want to dig in this further, just to get a little bit low, more awareness and just so you've got a good kind of uh, take on this. Like I'd recommend just doing some search, do your own research. Like, you know, create fake Canadian pay stub. There's a website out there. I think it's literally called fakepaystub.ca or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you can plug all the information in and it runs the exact CPP calculations, the tax, the provincial and the federal tax withdrawals, and they can pick whatever. And that's and legit. That looks le- that. So then you're like, Oh man, those numbers are solid. So <laughs> how I would scary is super scary. So, um, I saw this at a, at a real estate meetup and this lady was kind of explaining how she discovered it. And it was, it was brilliant. So they, they were too cheap to pay the two or five bucks to get the watermark off. And she noticed like a really faint outline in the bottom corner. So she'd started digging into it further. And this is where checking the, uh, the employment is super critical. She phoned that company and uh, it was a, a guy pretending to be a regional manager for Petland. And also the income didn't make sense. He said he made like six figures and it was like a 60 to $70,000 type normal pay range for that industry. So your opportunities are here. Do the numbers make sense? Is this job and what they're saying they make above really above average or just like kind of like too much go, go to Glassdoor and research that industry and okay average people with this kind of job make this range so this person's like 30 grand above that uh, okay that's kind of weird mm-hmm. um and this is why you have to go and validate employment so i'm gonna ask you anthony if you get a phone number and an email for an employer how, how do you go and reach out to them yeah, well, I'll call and I have a list of questions that I run through, similar to your business card here. Yeah. Got about eight questions, something like that. Uh, and I just kind of cross-reference everything. Okay. And I ask very, very specific questions. When did they get hired? Are they late? Um, how much are they paid? 
what are their employment hours? What are their shifts? And I could just cross-reference that with everything I've learned from the tenant. Yeah. If you can get all that information, by the way, I, uh, I can talk about that part too. But um, what I do first is I don't call the, the phone number or the email listed. Um, it's bonus though, if you look at the domain on the email, if it's like at telus.com, mm-hmm. that's a corporate email. For that's sure. a great sign that you've got a legitimate um, uh, supervisor, supervisor or manager. Yeah. But if it's, you know, Yahoo, Gmail, whatever, you have no clue. Yes. So let's say, again, using our Petland example, I Google Petland. I find their corporate directory. I phone in the main line. I get transferred to that individual so that I know for sure I am talking to the someone said, that works there. That works there, not just phoning the cell phone number. It, it is buddy's buddy, buddy or whatever. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I am uh, Director Joe and uh, this guy's yep. been great and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. So things smart. Yeah, things like that to layer in that trust factor. Um, and we can get into the landlord inside of it too, but uh, there was something else I was going to share. Yeah, so checking those domains. And you can take any email. If there's a custom domain, so again, like, you know, telus.com or mm-hmm. what, what are you guys, rockstar.ca.com? Rockstarbrokerage.com. Right. So if I just copy after the at symbol to the .com or to the end of the part, that's actually, should nine times out of 10, it should be the, the company's website. Yes. And that'd be a great way to look at that website and see if it actually have one, if it's professionally built, like how does it, what's that first impressions you get out of it? Yeah, cool. And I've done other things, a lot of uh, places, maybe smaller companies, not like a TELUS would, would have, uh, like Rockstar, for example, meet the team. And our, you know, my information is on the brokerage website and stuff. Exactly. And our info is there where you can see, okay, they're actually on the website. This is their job role. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I've done that a couple of times too. Yeah. They're not a startup outfit of India with a website in Canada. Yeah. So you work with single key. We should probably mention single key. I personally use single key reports, uh, the credit and tenant background reports to verify credit scores. Yeah. But the reports also offer like a criminal background check. It pulls any social media that it can find, which is a great tip. Search up the tenant social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've found that that works. It'll, it'll actually flag some of their Facebook accounts or, or whatever. Um, it does a Google directory search to see if their name, I think, comes up. Something like that. Yeah. Am I missing anything else with yeah. those reports? Yeah. I mean, so our, our claim to fame is um, we have the most comprehensive report on the market. And Again, you're making a decision to give a half million dollar or more expensive or whatever, at least hundreds of thousands of dollar asset to a complete stranger. Man, you better be doing your due diligence up front not to make an $80,000 eviction mistake 12 months later with damages, right? So, yeah. so critical. A little money spent up front goes a long way in the back end. And um, so we, our, our credit score portion specifically, um, you know, looking at our, our, our biggest competitor, Neighborly, they do a one-page summary for all those stats. Um, our credit report on average, depending on the, the length of the history of the individual with, um, being interviewed at their, their credit score is anywhere between four to six pages of content. So we list all the trade lines, every financial product they've ever had to really give you that complete picture. If they're on the financial side of the picture, are they able to manage their, their finances or not? Um, another nice thing too, about the process it's extremely streamlined. Um, we're gonna, we're redoing our website and we're gonna get this message, you know, a lot better, but the application process is all handled for you. It's digital. You flick off a link. So going back to when we're at the viewing, and they go, yeah, I'm interested. I go, great. Just text me your name and email. Uh, I'll flick you a link tonight. It's super easy to fill out and, and give her. And um, our, our- It is easy to fill out. When I first wanted to try it out, I was like, let me see this. So I ran one on myself. Smart. Yeah. And because I wanted to know the process. And then I wanted to be able to troubleshoot. 
Yep. If, if the, I don't know, someone called me and said, Hey, I'm having trouble with this website or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was easy. It was five minutes. It was done. It pulled my credit uh, score. It, it, you know, I verified it had all my financial information on it. Yeah. I think it even pulled my social media. I was like, okay, this is pretty thorough. And then I was comfortable starting to use it. It's 25 bucks, but then, uh, I, I make the tenants pay for it. Yep. And that's, I find even another little vetting process. Cause yep. it's like, Hey, if you're not willing to pay 25 bucks each to fill out a credit report, you know, maybe renting this $2,500 a month, single family home in Hamilton, you know, maybe it's not the right fit Yeah. or maybe you're not really that serious about it. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way. So what I always say to everyone is get shortlisted down from, from all of your applicants and then run the credit check. So you're not spending oodles of money up front for sure. Do that part. And then even like a pro tip thrown into that, like you said, you push the cost onto the tenant. And I just say, if you get selected, I'll, I'll reimburse it to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same language I use as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I, and just like on, on a pro tip, if you're trying to grow your portfolio and you want to collect more, don't discount the rent. Do it as a separate e-transfer transaction back to the tenant because you need to show your records when you're qualifying for more mortgages that you've got higher gross revenue on your properties. So always charge the full amount on your rent. And if you ever do any side deals with your tenants, which I have opinions on that too, and how to go down that route, it, uh, it depends is, is the short answer. Um, you do those transactions on the side differently. Mm-hmm. So you don't discount your total rent. So then you have uh, a greater ability of qualifying for that next mortgage. Yeah. And then one more personal story on the single key tenant thing, yep. uh, report is that, uh, so it pulled the credit score on this one guy and he had made it through the whole process. Uh, the Google forms, the showing no red flags at all. I looked, the credit score was, was pretty poor. It was poor enough that I wouldn't have gone for it. It was in the 500s, mm-hmm. but I was just skimming through the rest of the report and in the criminal background section, which I kind of took with a grain of salt. I didn't think, I thought you had to go through a more in-depth, thorough process to do an actual criminal background check. So I wasn't sure how legit it was. Yeah. Okay. Good. Sure. You yeah. can explain it after, yeah, yeah. but this thing just like lit up with all these articles, ex prison escapee, oh. uh, like guns, drugs, smuggling, clicked on all the links. And then this guy was all over Google. So another part of my process, I just do a quick Google search, of the person's name. Absolutely. Right. So I think I would have found it eventually. I would have hoped so, yeah. but it actually does work. So it actually does a criminal background check. Yeah. So it's based on public records. If the records are publicly available and they're in an online database, which varies by jurisdiction, mm-hmm. we can do a search on that. Um, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's, it is as thorough, say, as the um, getting a criminal uh, check directly from the police force, whether it's RCMP or your local, um, the local police. So if, if you're doing a situation where you're house hacking, and you're renting out your basement, which, hey, we all do it. I mean, that's how we all get started. I did as well to help me get into my first property. And my wife is pregnant and she's like, I want to know who's in the basement. I want to make sure they're, you know, someone that I'm comfortable living beside. Mm-hmm. So by all means do it and, uh, and make sure you do it on, on, in those situations. Um, I was going to go on something on that too. I had another thing to add. Oh, right. So we present all this information talking about those social checks and all that good stuff. We present it. It is so important that you go and search through everything. It might take 15 or 20 minutes, but man, it's so important that you can double check all that stuff is correct. Cause it is, if someone's got like a, a more common first and last name, you might get incorrect hits on some of these checks because because we're just we're doing name searching. It's sure. all it's all automated, right? With with scripting and all that good stuff, and and the other thing too um, that kind of sets us apart from some of our competition is you can pick and choose what fields to check. So if you're in a market that you guys are in right now, where you guys have lots of inquiries, turn on all the fields and make them mandatory, and that means they have to upload a picture of their photo ID upload pictures of the current pets, um, upload pay stubs, all that stuff. 
Because then you've got more filtering up front to get the people that are committed coming through the process. You can make those mandatory? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so w when you get to the screen um, where it's kind of like the main portal, and just before you go and, and hit send, there's, uh, and again, we're going to be, we're doing some changes to our GUI, so it's a little bit more obvious. There's three buttons. You click on that, and then you can toggle buttons on and off yeah. for what you want to make mandatory for fields. Oh, okay. That's great. Because, yeah, like half the tenants would put the pet photos, their driver's license, their pay stubs. And then I, I love it because single key is a great one-stop shop. Yeah. Because it's like you get the credit thing, the back, uh, the criminal background you know, everything, all the financial info, then the pay stub. So it's just a one-stop shop. But then others wouldn't do like the driver's license or the ID verification. So I'd have to reach out manually. So that's good to know then that I can make that all mandatory. Yes, totally, totally. And so it's good because we can adapt to the market conditions. So, uh, I mean, what makes us different between, again, I'm going to compare us to, to Neighborly. Also, by the way, you know, great company. They do a great quality report too. Um, they, uh, they have taken the approach to ask everything up front and have super thorough questioning. Yes. Which is great. They, they collect a little bit more information that's a little bit different from us, but their conversion rate of people going from start to actually completing the application yeah. is around 50%, whereas we're at in around 80%. So, but we can turn off what you want to require. So if you're in a tent market where you're not maybe only getting four or five or 10 inquiries, mm -hmm. re remove some of those things so you're still getting applications to make an informed decision. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to be pigeonholed to pick, to pick someone who's kind of so sort of okay. I mean, that, that's no good. So if you you always want to have selection. If you can get five or 10 good people applying your property or, or have the selection from at least four app, good quality applicants, then you're going to have the choice to pick someone that's good for you as opposed to being like accepting someone that's kind of like just average or, or maybe even like below your standards just because you're desperate to fill a property. And you probably know this tip. If, if, if the person doesn't fit, is it better to take a month's vacancy or put someone in right away? Of course. Yeah. Month's vacancy. Yeah. Totally. All day long for sure. Yeah. Okay. And then just quickly, um, because we've gone really long here, I just, single key offers two more things. I just want to ask you yeah, yeah. about them. One is this, this rent guarantee. Um, yep. how does that work just quickly? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so, um, we've got two other offerings. We do rent collection. I'll throw that one in there first. Same thing as pre-authorized debit. So if you pay your utility bill out of your checking account, this is the exact same thing. And we do it. So tenants rent gets taken automatically on the, Automatically. So it's the, if they, they don't have to remember, um, a lot of my tenants like it because then they're like, great, I don't have to do 10 minutes of work on the first of every month to send the e-transfer over and, and collect the money and they don't have to remember to do that. Yep. So you automate it. It's it's free up to three transactions per month. So th typically that's three leases. Um, beyond that, if you've got more needs, reach out to us. We'll do some volume di discounting for you. And um, and yeah, so, so the way it works is it gets withdrawn um, on the first business day of the month, if it, if the first falls on the weekend, it might be the second or third. And it's typically, I think like two to three business days for, 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 um, from the money gets pulled out to when it hits your account on, on your side. So it's a little bit later, but it's all automated. And if you don't mind getting your rent within that first week, typically it's, it's still a great way to now, go. Now, is it also reporting, th uh, those rent payments to credit agencies? So now I'm glad you brought that up. So since we are on a um, single key, we're, we're ownership of, of that transaction. We've got both parties and we're, and we're facilitating that. We have that information now and that's actually exactly where it's going to go. Okay. So that's where you guys are headed. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. It, it's because uh, it gives the tenants more of an incentive to obviously pay rents on time because it's now building up their credit score. Yeah. Yeah, ab absolutely. And like, l listen, there, there's so many different services out there and, and other things I would and I mean, again, how I got involved with this is I, I have the largest Facebook group in Alberta that I run for landlords at over 4,000 people. I've used other sponsors and 
I'm going to throw them out there. Um, I have no affiliation with them. Well, not with my Facebook, I do, but here, use Front Lobby. I, I see, check them out. They give you two core offerings, which is rent reporting and debit reporting. And that rent reporting is a great filter tool up front my due diligence. Basically, I make it mandatory and, and don't just use the verbiage they provide to, to put the, the clause in your lease because that gets buried in. No one sees that. Do a one pager that they have to sign off, make it a little bit marketing. But basically, there's that psychology uh, effect at play. If someone has to put pen to paper and sign off on something, they're going to take it a little bit more seriously and actually commit to doing it. So I make everyone sign that I'm going to report their rent and consent to reporting their rent. Because if, if, if they're in good standing, you can't report their rent unless they give you consent to do it. If, they are in, uh, if they're in arrears and there's debits owing, you don't need consent. You can report that right away. And that's a whole other story. But um, that filter is it's a double-edged sword. Because basically I say, hey, thanks, tenant. By the way, another great advantage to rent with me. I'm going to help you build your credit score so I can get you into home ownership faster or get you that car loan to progress further in your business. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, I'll help you out. Like, like We're just a stepping stone in life to get people to where they need to be. And, and it's a kind of a, a great value add. And so if, if yeah, to, to the tenant that like legitimately is financially, you know, <laughs> to the tenant who's actually going to pay you, that's like a selling feature because it's great. I get to build my credit report yeah. to the professional tenant who somehow made it that far and wasn't planning on paying you. That's a big deterrent. Boom. So that's a double edged sword. So I have not, I've yet to the, the, all the tenants that I've screened have gotten a legitimate objection to saying that I won't, that, that, you know, I don't want that because there, there, there isn't one yet. So if they balk or kind of cringe or they don't respond, they're just self-filtered out. You just, you just dodged Even a bullet. Better. Yeah, Even exactly. Better. So, I mean, exactly. It affects the, the tenants and that are ill intent by, by dropping their credit score. So it's, it's perfect. Um, Oh, there's somewhere else. I know we're like, we're probably like overtime right now. Your rent guarantee product. Oh yeah. Just quickly explain keep, that one. Keep me focused here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so this is really cool. It, it, it's kind of like insurance. It's a bit different offering on the back end, but it's kind of like an essentially um, we'll guarantee or well, we'll pay out rent if the tenant stops paying rent up to either the next 12 months or $60,000, whichever comes first. And uh, we also cover up to $10,000 of damage. And should worse come to worse and you have to do the eviction process because we're paying out, we're just as motivated as you to get this out as quick as possible. We'll pay the whole eviction cost and, and, um, and do it on your behalf as well. Um, you definitely still want to participate in that to ensure things are going on track and all the supply information to help us do the eviction. But we're going to core back it for you and make your life a lot easier because at the end of the day, we need to get that person out as quickly as possible to minimize our losses and to minimize your losses. Wow. Yeah. So you guys are entirely focused on like risk um prevention yeah uh, mitigate your risk up front the due diligence it's it's like we talked at the beginning of the show that at the top it's the biggest and most important part of the business is that due diligence up front it doesn't matter what strategy you're doing if you put the wrong tenant in there and you have that perfect property in downtown toronto that's worth 1.2 million for that condo i'm in right now my airbnb yeah they ain't paying nothing you, your property's not making any money and you're, you're in that same hole as as anybody else that's trying to get a non-paying tenant out so yeah, and, and, the, and the last part, the cost for, for the rent guarantee, uh, it's, it's 5% uh, uh, premium on your rent. Okay. Yeah, so good fit for folks. If you're brand new, you know what, you know you don't know anything, you know you don't know everything, you, you have that blind spot, that liability. Yeah. This is a great way to cover that and, and have some collateral coverage until you can get your knowledge up to a level where you get to a point where your, deal, your screen process is good enough and you don't need this product anymore. So it has certain fits, which I just kind of want to highlight that part too. Yeah, awesome. Dude, this is all great stuff, man, because being a landlord has so many benefits, so many financial benefits to live life on your terms, 
to look out for your family, like you're saying, yeah. and doing this type of stuff. It seems like a lot of work up front and it can be, mm -hmm. but it saves you so much work on the back end. And once that good tenant is, is in that property and it's up and running, it's very little work. It's like some maintenance calls, mm -hmm. you know, minor little things that you just have to attend to. It's very simple after that, but it's just a bit of upfront work at yeah. the beginning to make sure you got the right person. And these tools have massively helped me like the, the background check and all the screening tips we talked about. I'm definitely gonna, I got some new tips to use here now cool, too. Yeah. So thank you, man. This is all great stuff. Yeah. Likewise, Anthony. And like when we got talking the first time, we we're kind of shooting this back and forth, like, Oh, we, we need a chat. And that, that's exactly it. You, you nailed it in the head. Yeah. Due diligence up front will make everything easier on the back end. And it's the most important part because again, like here in Ontario, when you guys, once you get possession, the fixed terms always kind of continuous until they choose to move out. So yeah, do as best you can up front. So where can people find out about single key? What's the website? Yeah, so for sure. So singlekey.com. Um, you can actually yeah, find myself as well. So, I mean, uh, if you guys are looking in Alberta, I'm over at the Alberta Lama community. That's where I, I that's the up. Facebook group. That's the Facebook Perfect. group as well. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, also I'm going to stag you onto our podcast coming up and do a quick plug if that's okay. Sure. The keys to renting and Anthony's going to be one of my first guests. We're going to have another similar chat and, and share best practices because having these conversations will make the industry better. It's going to remove risk for everyone involved and have a better experience for everyone. Awesome. Yeah, buddy. Cheers. Kenzie, thank you. I hope everyone enjoyed that show with Mackenzie from Single Key. Mackenzie was kind enough to uh, offer a 10% discount to listeners of this episode off of their first credit and background check from Single Key. So we're going to put the link to access this discount in the show notes of this episode on rockstarinnercircle.com slash podcast in the show notes. And Mackenzie also mentioned he runs the largest Facebook group for Alberta landlords the Alberta Landlord Community, and we are putting a link for you to join that Facebook group as well in the show notes at rockstarinnercircle.com slash podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and that's it, folks. Take care.